Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very 17th episode of Rethink Everything. It is a 23rd week of uh, of 2020. I'm here, or uh, my name is <laughs> Tyler Giannisini, and I'm, I'm here with Kent Yoshimura. Hi. <laughs> not, not much yeah. to say. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're, we're feeling, um, uh, I think, as awkward and confused as everybody else might be if you're listening to this podcast at a later date. Uh, this is the week that um, the bill came due for uh, police violence in this country. Um, there are protests um, in basically every major city. Uh, people are getting killed. People are getting injured. Um, this is, uh, this is coming from protests over the death of George Floyd at the hand of, uh, police officers in Minneapolis. Um, and yeah, we've, uh, we don't really have an agenda other than we don't know how to talk about anything else this week and, uh, figured we might as well kind of share share in that experience with our audience. It's pretty remarkable what people can do when they come together. And, you know, it's... So I, I live in Los Angeles. I live in, like, the heart of Los Angeles. So, like, two blocks away from me. Uh, it's very obvious that the protests are happening. I hear, gun like, rubber bullet gunshots, or what I assume are uh, gunshots coming from the, the rubber bullet shooters. Um, I hear those popping off in the middle of the night. Uh, in the morning, I get woken up to sirens. And um, while I don't hear the people, um, the the intensity is there. And it's, it's interesting. So uh, like yesterday, for example, I went in uh, to, to be, be in the thick of it to a, a degree uh, while trying to also maintain some level of uh, social distancing uh, because of COVID still happening, which is also crazy. Um, there, there's no real conversation or discourse happening. And it makes me wonder, the protesters have a voice. They're talking, they're communicating what they want to communicate. And then on the other side, the cops are just standing there holding machine guns. And it just, it just makes you think like what, how do we just better communication? How do we, how, how can discourse occur on, on both ends, create discussion, create a conversation? Because right now it does feel so split between just, I mean, everything just feels so split. So, yeah, I think, you know, there've been a few places where you see, um, you see some actually decent efforts. So there was the, you know, the sheriff where they laid down their, laid down their weapons. I don't know if they laid them down, but they, they took off their, you know, their riot gear and marched with the, the protesters. Um, there was talk about some of the police officers in, I think Portland kneeling, uh, in front of the post protesters and like trying to, I guess, express solidarity in that way. But then for each one of these that I see, I also read that somewhere else in that city, they're loosing tear gas and shooting people with rubber bullets and um, arresting and assaulting people. And it yep. seems even the, even the 
police force is split in their response. And some of them are obviously a lot clumsier or more clueless than others, um, which is not to rag on them. My, my father was a police officer. You know, they're, they're ultimately at the end of the day, just people, they all have problems with each other. Um, you know, I remember my dad having issues with people on, uh, who were part of his department who he felt were clumsy and, and callous with the way they treat the public or power hungry or whatever, you know, whatever that, that strain of, uh, emotion or, or, or whatever that is that seems to run through a lot of the, the worst, um, officers. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging because every single, every single police department across the U S is going to have to come up with their own response. And a lot of, a lot of them are not prepared to be politicians. Uh, yeah, they're not, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to my friend, Sean Mira, who's a, an unbelievable activist within the little Tokyo community. And I, I was having the same discussion on like, where is the conversation happening? And the fact that the bureaucracy almost contains conversation into city hall and not outside of it is it, it, it almost prevents the cops themselves or the police officers or even the protesters, the people that live in the city, the entire, the entirety of everyone to n not have a level of transparency in the conversation, it's yeah. There's also a, a part where, like, the cops themselves are, you know, I, many of them I assume were just given the marching orders, where you are there, you uh, hold strong to your weapons, stand your ground, uh, don't try to incite anything. Um, obviously because things can get misconstrued, words can get misconstrued, but I don't, it's, it's complicated. It, it's, it's absolutely complicated. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to imagine things are also, I mean, you know, across cities, they all vary, but in, in a lot of the major cities, I, I have to imagine you're finding a lot of ex-military joining the police force and they are you know, trained for a different job than being a policeman is, uh, despite maybe having some of the, some relevant experience to that position and the, the, the discipline required. Um, not all of them are trained for humanitarian efforts. And, um, that right. obviously shows if you send only the police and not any elected officials to have a discussion, then, We've seen how it goes over and over and over and over and over. Uh, That's why diplomacy exists. That's why diplomats are role. And, and is, who is the diplomat at this level? Who should be the diplomat? It's the one that could, I get, could bridge the divide and create proper communication. Right. Yeah. I mean, anyone, anyone. If you've if you've got huge crowds of angry people who want someone to hear them, 
and you send no ears, but only, you know, fists and force, they're not going to feel heard. And then they're going to feel like the only way to be heard is through the methods that you're communicating with them with. This Absolutely. is show up with force, get greeted with force. And it's, the unfortunate it's, thing I though is figured it out yet. it's become so ingrained within the culture and in, in the psyche of the people that even when protesters are very calmly protesting, you know, they're taking the peaceful stance. You see the footage on the media of police violence. And mm-hmm. I, 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 was, I was actually thinking about like this other day, the other, I don't think looting is good. I don't think any form of violence is good. Just, just in my in my own belief system, I, I think violence is the worst way to communicate things. But at the same time, like it's gotten to a point where unfortunately violence is the only way to get your voice heard in many situations. And I like all things, there's going to be opportunists, opportunists on both sides. The looting is going to happen no matter what, but we shouldn't. And we should, we should absolutely not do that. Like, I don't condone that by any means whatsoever. I think it's absolutely terrible and sets people back, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that is already going to happen and we're going to expect to happen. And on the other end of things, there's the opportunist on the police force side that's going to try to look at for any moment of violence to react mm-hmm. In a certain way, and those are mm-hmm. as bad as the looters I, on either end of the spectrum. It's within the middle ground, though. Like, how do we look at those two extremes—the opportunists, the, the 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 false conversations, the dichotomies that are getting pushed into the media? Who, you know, I, I was saying this the other day, but like, they're the greatest opportunists of all because all of a sudden they could push whatever narrative that they want. Now, if it's like police brutality, it's how do we as people candidly talking like this on podcasts, how do we as people candidly talking out on the streets, how can that communication become more pervasive across the people? It's yeah. sorry. It's so hard for I, me to talk right now. There's like, <laughs> it's, it's, there's billions of thought processes of this, the madness of what's going on. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I, I agree with you as far as, um, you know, the stance on violence, but it, that, and, and also agree that at this point, like, I don't understand how, how else do you get the message across? How else do you get ac- across to people? Here's what it feels like when you have to be afraid every day of just walking down the street here, here is, here is what it feels like to not know, uh, whether your family is going to be safe while they're just walking down the street. This is the only way to express that, that seems to really get through. And so I certainly think like looting a small business owner is, it's not the ideal message. Um, but at the same time, I don't, uh, I can't like, I, I think jumping on the, like, look how horrible these looters are is like one of those. It, 
it perverts the message. If you felt like Agreed. looting small shit, yeah, like if you if, if looting small businesses is where the line is, um, sorry, but you missed your chance to kind of speak up. Like, I think the line was was years and years and years and years and years ago when we started finding this trend where um, law enforcement can kill people and get away with it. Exactly. It's it's within a spectrum, and it's looting is also a response to the the infrastructure that's been set in place. Totally. And Four, yeah, four hundred years of all right. <laughs> As a community, we've tried every other way to get a piece a piece of this, and uh, if this is the only way I'm ever going to get a piece in my lifetime. I'm going for it. And I don't, I, I can't blame that thought process. Yep. Yeah, of course. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I, well, I don't condone it. It is absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. happens for a reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's you know, like, uh, I guess justified isn't quite the right word, but it's not like you have to do, too many mental gymnastics to put your in, in yourself in a place where um, that's a pretty that decision becomes a lot less like about taking a moral stand and just about like all right there's nothing there's I'm never going to get another chance. that's survival at that point survival motivates that decision yeah yeah the most and survival is the most basic human right need <laughs> uh yeah um there's also this just on the topic of looting i guess uh th there's just a few comments that i i just see on instagram and social media just in general of uh people trying to justify certain things and um, obviously it's nothing is binary, like, uh, everything exists within its own realm as, as nuanced responses to very nuanced, uh, aspects of history and built in societal issues. But, um, people talk about like, oh, at least these small business owners can, uh, get their money back from insurance or at least these that is in no way justification <laughs> to promote looting, but on the to add on to that as well, insurance is never going to pay for these people. Like they're going to find every single excuse. And as a small business owner, like we've gone through it, you know, insurance is going to find every way to not pay out. And yeah, it it makes one question like. Uh, how many layers can we look for change and reform then? Like if we know looting is going to happen and then the insurance companies are, are going to continue to screw the small business owner owners over, should we also be looking at reform at the insurance company level? Absolutely. If that's right. Like, it, yeah. Force them to force them to pay out in these scenarios. And, and all of a sudden they become advocates for 
more appropriate response to protests. All of a, all of a sudden, they become advocates for causes which prevent uh, the types of actions like this that wind up causing protests in the first place because they need to minimize their risk. Exactly. Currently, their risk is they just don't care because they don't have to. Yeah. Like, no... Uh... Obviously, there's a larger conversation piece going on with the protests and the the systemic racism, but there are, I don't know if you hear the police sirens constantly going on in the yeah. background. I don't know if yeah, my microphone's, right. yeah. Um, but there needs, I'm so curious how as a society, we're going to dive deeper into systemic issues, insurance healthcare the conversations are there but we're not protesting it uh so overtly it's but unless all those issues are changed then we're always going to be in a world of opportunists trying to screw other people over to get an upper hand yeah the layers and layers and layers of of difficulty to change anything like this unless you happen to to have a billion dollars in your bank account is pretty challenging. Yeah. Do you, did your dad, ever, you might've been too young, but did your dad ever talk about like the 92 riots? Uh, when, you know, I, I assume he was, he was, I mean, like no, in tune I, with it to a degree. I, I don't think anything would have happened in Olympia. I think at that time, um, the at that time the the sort of evergreen like uh student protest community wasn't quite as as militant as they are now and then the um they're just you know the reality of it is there, there were not that many minorities here because we our our military base just moved in and kind of changed the the population probably like 15 20 years ago something like that um, and so that now it's a lot more diverse here, but I think at that point it was just sort of a non, it wasn't an issue that affected Olympia. That's, that's so interesting. Like versus you would say the riots, the protests, uh, the death of George Floyd, like all these things happening now are in fact a part of like, how is it affecting Olympia or like a small chat? Like, uh, it's definitely a part of the conversation and the narrative there, <laughs> in your town as well right yeah but i think i don't it's, there were so few uh, there were very few people who actually went out i think there was like people were talking about like there's two or three people that went downtown i think um i don't know i don't know what really did it because there's always protesters of one kind or another downtown uh in olympia like when there's not national protesting going on, there's, you always find like a little group of people down there, you know, with signs up for one thing or another. Cause it's just like, it's a really political community. I don't know mm -hmm. if nothing happening right now is because of the, um, because of COVID or, or if, you know, if the presence of, um, if, if the presence of the military base just means that we're not necessarily like, Hey, we're going to run right out and protest. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if, if it's just changed the dynamics or, or what, but yeah, there's nothing too much happening here. Um, one, yeah. one thing I do remember my dad telling me about was, uh, the, I was, oh, 
I'm going to have to look it up, but it was some sort of Queen Anne, um, where he went to high school in Seattle. Uh, there were, I can't remember if it was riots or not. Um, but somewhere in Seattle, there was, it was like post, um, post civil rights act, just like, you know, racial tensions and, uh, a story I always remember that has he's like fundamental to, to who I am and what I believe, like since I was a little kid, um, he told me about being at high school and, um, come, you know, walking down the hallway toward one of his classes and finding that, uh, a group of his friends had pinned this black kid up against the lockers and saw, saw him come and said, Hey, you know, Thor, you want to help us fight this black kid? And, um, my dad, went and stood next to the kid and they asked him what he was doing. And he said, Oh, I thought you wanted help. You know, it seemed like it was an unfair fight. Uh, and, and that is just like my, my dad wasn't like a storyteller or a boaster. So I don't really like, it sounds like it, it sounds like bullshit, but I, he was an extremely principled human being. And so I, I don't believe he would lie to me for for any reason, you know, for self glorification or anything like that. When when I was up there and like (laughs) there was like a hill you pointed at, it was like, yeah, that's uh, my dad. Like, you know, stood next to uh, like. Sorry, I'm I'm like misremembering the story probably, but you were pointing at like different things. It's like, yeah, my dad as like as you know as a detective like helped uh, do this, like oh yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. So the, um, yeah. So the law enforcement memorial here. So obviously I've got, you know, uh, is it like, uh, some, some fairly emotional ties to both sides of this. Um, just because, you know, I've, I think ever since probably the, the second or third grade, I've been obsessed with Martin Luther King and, you know, felt that, uh, you know, obsessed with the, uh, the civil rights movement. And then on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I, I come from police blood. So there's, so these, these two, um, passions at play here or whatever interesting they are. opposing forces. <laughs> right. In, in many ways. Yeah. In, in, in many ways. Yeah. But in many ways, no, like I, you know, exactly. I know for a fact that my dad would be disgusted with the way that, I mean, you know, he was, he would be disgusted with the lack of taking responsibility, I think. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious how like the, you, the, the bureaucracy, cause people like your dad would, you know, he would take the actions and the steps necessary to change the, the bureaucratic system of the police force, the thought processes to, have them stand for protecting the people again. Like what yeah. they, what the morals of which, why police exist. He was always one to piss off his superiors and his peers. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because, you know, I say, in, I'd say in any organization large enough, people with principles become an inconvenience. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. 
You, they want pawns. Right. Yeah. <laughs> pawns and tools. and Pawns and tools. And docile folk. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird time. It's just like... Well, I guess I was thinking just a moment ago, like you're like to our listeners, you're probably going to hear you have heard us so far chuckle a few times and you probably will continue to hear us chuckle. And uh, if that don't let that be an indication that um, this isn't a drag to us, I think both of us would probably freely admit to being the type of people that laugh when we're in pain. It's like <laughs> um, it's, it's nervous. It's it's when you. Yeah, it's like nervous laughter. It's yeah. like that's the only way I could. It's resorting to laughter. Yeah, right. Like humor and laughing is the only way that I could deal with many of the the anxiety inducing issues at hand. And yeah, because um, the other emotion is crying, and that's or, uh, right. you know that's kind of on the uh, that's my I, I like to read Reddit before I go to sleep at night like an idiot and the last two nights have just gone to sleep with tears in my eyes because you know that just seeing everything that's happening and it's still happening and people are still dying um dude it's crazy it's 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 a it's a real nightmare uh and the fact that it's all happening during covid is in one way it's in one way you know there's a part of me that's glad because it means that the protesters don't have to stop. Yeah. I think they usually are, are sort of at the mercy of needing to get back to work and make money. And uh, I think this time around, um, we're not going to have the, or the, you know, the, the, the response from these cities is not going, you can't just make it, Oh, we'll just wait for it to blow over. They got to go back to work on Monday. Um, in one part, in one way, I'm, I'm glad about that. And another way, obviously I'm not because people are losing their lives, um, and eyeballs and, you know, brain cells. Uh, yeah. but yeah, the, I guess the flip of that is that in a few weeks here, we get to look forward to a huge boom of new cases from COVID, which is just, just going to add to the pain of all this. Man. It's, it's, yeah. This will become, I I think in the, as far as the U S story of, of how the pandemic went, this is about to become the, the biggest event thus far. Agree. Talk, you know, uh, on like WhatsApp, I, ha- I have my international friends that that have texted me, and it's very. Let me just let me just pull up what they're saying because because it, it's so interesting the way things do get reported outside of the U.S. Um, and I guess the way it's being reported, at least in Asia, is it's just absolute chaos here. Um, but here it is. Um, I'm just going to read this. Dude, uh, are you okay over there? I said, it's, it's fine. It's only a few blocks away from you. So it's a, a bit crazy. How's it being reported out of state? 
uh, it looks nuts over there, depressing to read about it over here, and I can't imagine what it's like. But the narrative is larger about police brutality um, and public disorder. And so I, I said, I mean, that's fairly accurate. Um, mm -hmm. But he also said, uh, the false narratives that both the U.S. and the Chinese government are promoting are absolutely infuriating, and the rest of the world sees that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah always good to be put in the same category as China as far as lying to people. Isn't that yeah? How painfully similar this this country we paint out we we paint out as this evil force. How, how painfully similar we are in all the bad ways. Yeah. No one likes looking at their own reflection. I didn't read much about it, but I'm seeing that um, there's protesting in Japan over police brutality at the same time. The Kurdish. And then, yeah. Um, Israel, and then in in Israel, what um, they killed, they killed uh, a an autistic Palestinian man, um, wow. which has led to riots there as well. Gosh, that's yeah. The world's insane right now. You know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to stay hopeful because I, I could only, I could only imagine, you know, it, like you, I, Ryan, you like the people just, and I'm just using Nero as an example, just because it's so just relevant to us, but you know, we have to maintain kind of the optimism, optimism and hope for this within mm -hmm. the company or else it's like you hear it in people's voices. Like you hear it in uh, like our, yeah. our coworkers voices and our teammates voices of just like, wow, what's the point of it? Like, what is the point of anything? What is going to happen? What's there's, it's harder and harder to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but at the same time, the light at the end of the tunnel is if we could get through this, the protesters, the virus, the, the, the things that are really going to result in hopefully systemic change, then the future that light at the end of the tunnel is so much brighter. It's, it's going to be like a light that's so much brighter than any light uh, that we've been living in. So I don't know. It, it takes, it takes pressure to make a diamond. And uh, yeah. I think that's just what we're going through right now. Hopefully. Yeah, they say the great, you know, the great depression forged the people that came out of it and gave them the character that they had. I, I mean, I now, I now kind of wonder about that because as it, as it stands, we were already in a situation where a huge number of people 
in in as young adults were living with their parents to begin with to start this whole thing um you know more than ever before i wonder is this and i know you know my uh my mom and stepdad and you know their business is obviously getting affected by this i wonder if this is affecting them almost more than it's going to it one would think that by that age you're like stable and you're you've got it you're good mm-hmm. and now if they are you know small business owners who can't make money right right leading up to retirement you know was that due um yeah i yeah i don't know i, I just wonder you know who this is going to impact most at this point yeah yeah those, those I mean, are some of the funds that are being talked about or or when the communication happens around around charity or advocating for a movement, it's who are the who is it that's going to be disenfranchised even further than they are now? Like who is it that is after all this is over that's going to need our help? Um, right. That's sure going to take a giant bite out of the middle class, I think. Um, I definitely like everything else that. over the past twenty years. The the hour the middle of the hourglass is going to continue to become thinner and thinner, mm-hmm. and the top and the bottoms <laughs> are going to be. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it's already happening with with the recession and. The, the bailouts, the, the people getting the loans, the smaller companies being bought up by big corporations. It's uh, mm-hmm. They're going to continue to... The larger corporations are continuing to get stronger, get bailed out. Yeah. That's weird, weird times. Um, it is indeed. I saw in, on the footage of the Seattle riots, the Chanel getting robbed, and I appreciated that. <laughs> That's if you are going to rob or loot anything, it's yeah. Why? Why a small business? Like why? Uh, yeah. Be, why your target, local co-op? Target it. <laughs> it's like yeah. Go <sighs> after the people that <laughs> can afford to lose that. I posted uh, something my friend uh, Fun. He he lives in he lives in Minneapolis. Uh, he's also he's he's black, and I I can't imagine how he must be feeling. But he posted this picture of, or he was just taking a lot of pictures as he was walking around his city, and uh, it's a piece of plywood over a window of a store. And it's written, this plywood is a testimony to racial disparity, poverty, and our materialism. And I thought that was just, I don't know, it it just felt so profound. Um, Unfortunately, or well, hopefully it doesn't fall to, hopefully it doesn't fall to deaf ears. All these messages. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, 
you don't see it hopefully doesn't become a situation of rooftop Koreans as you know they've they've become to be known uh, and, and the LA riots which put a stake through Korean and African-American uh, like relations it's you know it's this needs to be an opportunity for us to come together stronger, not create divides in each other. And um, yeah, maybe maybe looting a Chanel, looting the Chanel is the way to do it. That's the that's the place. That's absolutely the play. Hit <laughs> hit the people with lots and lots and lots and lots of extra capital to lose, or at least who, where the top of the company. Employees at the top of that company have lots and lots and lots to lose, so they'll be able to open that store back up again. Oh man, you know we're like in a our team call. We we're mentioning some larger companies that haven't really made a stance or said anything. If you look at the Hershey's of the world, uh, the Nestle's, the you know, I'm I'm curious how a company like a Boeing. Or United Airlines will respond to any of this. Um, I think you know there was floated the idea that it uh, that there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing political about taking a stand here, but I do think the unfortunate reality is that fifty percent of this country is is uh, it's fifty percent of the voting age people in this country are are willing to allow this to be a political thing. Yeah. Um, and, and and they will turn it into a reason not to buy Hershey's for a day, and then they'll go back to buying Hershey's or whatever it is, but. There, the the there are parts of this country where if you haven't been there, you really need to make an effort to go. Because um, if I go ten or fifteen miles in just about any direction from where I am that isn't towards Tacoma or or Seattle, I, I'm going to bump into Confederate flags in people's backyards. And that's in Washington state. We had no part in the civil war. If you go do that same trip in Georgia, uh, shit gets scary real quick. Um, it's not as everybody wants, everybody wants to imagine it's all over and that, you know, we're kind of all enlightened at this point. And, 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 you're just not bumping into those people because you're not living near them because you know, you're young or, or, you know, you stick to the areas that are kind of progressive and require working together. It seems uh, like cities, which require a lot of cooperation. You don't get as many of those um, xenophobic people, but if you go, most of this country is, uh, backwoods, rural, um, you know, the cities only cover a small amount and there's a lot of people that aren't in them. 
and which is not to you know stereotype these those people because i grew up outside of a city sort of in in the woods um and they're not they're obviously not all like that but um don't don't feel as though the other side doesn't isn't actually there because i think people who who trade there's this narrative that then uh, things like you know i'm not not that i think uh antifa is uh well one an organization that actually isn't an organization but two that they're they're justified in what they do but those who are saying that there's no reason to have a, a group that opposes fascism in this country are utterly utterly mistaken about about the realities of the types of people that exist outside of the communities that you're you're getting your eyes on. Yeah. Absolutely. It, and without knowledge, without seeing all those sides, you, it's hard to make. I mean, that's how, that's how people could become more compassionate. Yeah. To be able to understand all those sides, <laughs> if every single person was able to see the issues and not necessarily uh, like fully understand it, because I think that's impossible unless you are of a whatever it is, a specific race, a specific socioeconomic class from a specific place, but to at least build that empathy by seeing them by trying to understand them, by, by exposing yourself to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, people who, people who have never left their small town or have only visited the cities and got scared a few times, um, uh, are, they're missing, I think something fundamental that's, that's really hard to, an experience that's hard to gain. And I think that's where you get those ideas that just ingrain themselves in these communities where, you know, people aren't really going to leave, uh, which again, you know, I think there's a lot of good qualities about small towns, uh, as well that you don't get from the cities. But, um, if you come from a primarily, uh, homogenous area, uh, make sure your children experience other things. Um, big cities, other communities, go travel and see people that don't have your skin tone because uh, I think there's such, there's such a closed mindedness about what, what it's even like to be in a city like Los Angeles, for example, or New York, where you're not, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not, as as you know if you're a rural rural caucasian human going out into a, a, uh into the world like it's you should understand that that's not the only way to live and there are tons and tons of other various cultures that uh live in your in your country and mm-hmm. they are just as american as you are mhm Yeah, it's it, it answers the question <laughs> the the what it means to be American, and the answer is that there is no real answer. 
Right. That's the idea, or it should be the idea. A hundred percent. Everyone's an American. Should just they have to, choose to be? Should they choose to be? Should they? It's it, it, at the end of the day, it's whatever the guiding principles are. It's not defined by any racial attribute because all of us are here. But it's it's the rights, the principles, the morals, those things that we fight for that make us profoundly American. <sighs> um, what are some uh, resources? Do, do you know of any resources off the top of your head uh, where people could donate, um, where people could could be part of the movement? Um, yeah, so I mean, I've always been a fan of Oprah, so I went with the link from Oprah Magazine for uh, where to send, although, uh, <laughs> caveat that, um, I'm not a fan of Oprah's quote, end quote, uh, her, quote. Her, her like pseudo pseudoscience. Oh, oh yeah. She's kind of been cronies. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's kind of been going off the deep end on that, all that. Um, there's also, uh, was it the million little threads or million little, fi- you know, she, she yeah. does bring people without in without fact checking yeah yeah she's uh, yeah she makes some mistakes but god if i don't love her she's human Um, she may be oprah but she's still human yeah one of us (laughs) uh george floyd's brother uh has started to go fund me to uh assist his family in their time of need um that's gofundme.com slash F slash George Floyd. Um, I would, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that the family has a means of distributing, like, you know, the, if they get an excess here, but I would encourage people to, if, you know, if you go to this page and that number is super, super high, um, like, oh yeah, like almost $8 million, then maybe, um, Maybe start looking at some other ones uh, like uh, there's minnesotafreedomfund.org, Minnesota mm-hmm. um, which is to uh, help low-income people uh, post bail. Uh, NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. This will be helping... Um, with legal fees incurred by those who are protesting that is oh boy never mind i can't give you a quick link for that i apologize <laughs> we could we could post all these in the in the description if yeah yeah anything at all um, um communities united against police brutality is going to be at cuapb.org um and then uh, there are some means of signing petitions and speaking to the Minneapolis uh, officials. And uh, I would say, you know, just search um, Oprah, Oprah, let's see, help. Um, what did I search to get this? George Floyd donation, Oprah. Uh, we'll get you a page full of this as 
is probably the quickest way to find all these. Perfect. And we'll, we'll have an ongoing compiled list probably on that. We'll just put on the neuro website as well. Uh, that in no, I mean, in no way are we trying to like promote is <laughs> not as a means of promotion of our product by any means, uh, purely as just a resource. Um, and, you know, this is something I'll probably post on my own personal Instagram as well. Um, there's, there, yeah, the, the Black Vision Fund is is the one I, I contributed to uh, personally. Um, but any of these, any of these, it's it's a collective movement. All of us are are, are working together and. Uh, you know, it's uh, be safe, be smart, be the change you want to see in the world. And uh, if your parent or grandparent says that these people were just looking for an excuse to loot, go ahead and kick them right in the dick. <laughs> uh, and that's and that's the most important thing. <laughs> uh. I'm sorry, yeah. you, you were ending it much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> we need, my... As you've said, hu- you know, we're the type of people where uh, we need the humor to deal with the hopelessness. <laughs> yeah, I'm also just sitting on a lot of anger right now, so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll just try to keep it isolated too. It's very <laughs> unlike you, Tyler, to promote <laughs> dick kicking. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be so calm. Uh, All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose, uh, I suppose that'll be our show for this week. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, sorry if you were expecting to laugh more, um, but I think, um, I think it's worth keeping you guys in tune with what we're actually feeling and thinking mm-hmm. about. So, Uh, this will conclude our special episode and we will be back next week with our very 18th episode wow we're gonna kick our podcast out of the house and tell it to go pay its own bills (laughs) yeah it's gonna start smoking cigarettes buying lotto tickets oh gosh I just don't want it to make the mistakes I made Uh, podcast be the change you want to be uh, all right. Well, look out for those links. Uh, again, be safe. Kick some, kick some jerks in the dick, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> stay hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure out how to fix it so we don't have to be sad anymore. <laughs> I like that plan. All right. Bye. say that progress is being made if you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches there's no progress mm-hmm. you pull it all the way out that's not progress the progress is healing the wound that's the blow that's the blow made and they haven't even begun to pull a knife out much less try and pull, uh, heal the wound you have uh, you have they no, won't even admit the knife is there